0: you know that there is an alternative to the accepted history of our world? No, really it's true. Buried deep beneath layers of coding on the dull web, there's a vast repository of secret files, the real stories of our society down the ages. Why not take off those rose-tinted listening glasses for a while and experience your history anew? Let's begin with January 1265. Oh yes, And welcome to Twistery Tales. Order, order! Silence for the most noble Earl of Leicester. My friends, this is a most auspicious occasion—the first sitting of an English Parliament. Let history be witness to a bold new chapter in the evolution of democracy. <clears throat> um, the Right Honourable William de A uh, Point of order, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but uh, what exactly is our raison d'etre? If my Right Honourable friend had not interrupted, I would have laid forth the parliamentary coup. Killed Nobody mentioned puzzles to me. I thought we were just going to sit around a bit, have a natter, raise some taxes, and then clear off to the tavern. That's what we normally do. Order! Order! No longer, my honourable friends. This noble institution, this parliament, shall debate great matters of state. We mustn't henceforth strive to serve our king and country with dedication, wisdom, mutual respect and honesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about our expenses? Aye, our second castles won't eat themselves the nose. And uh, on a second point of order, uh, Mr Speaker, I think that bit about wisdom and mutual respect might be stretching credibility a little far. (laughs) Twistery Tales, the Richard Usher comedy podcast. The past rewritten before your very ears. The 13th century wasn't all knights and chivalry, inquisitions and crusades. The first English Parliament sat on the 20th of January in 1265, convened in Westminster Hall by Simon de Montfort, the Earl of Leicester. Of course, it set a benchmark for all that was to follow in politics. Perhaps a back benchmark would be more accurate. Possibly slightly over-egging the point. And you are? Ah! I could be anybody, but on this occasion, I'm here in the guise of Captain Robert Falcon Scott, your guide to another of the twistoric tales from January in times past, Cecil. Gosh, you mean the the ill-fated Terra Nova expedition of 1910. An honour to make your acquaintance. Indeed. And little did any of us know how things would fall out when we met for luncheon on that fateful day. I say, chaps, I ran into dear old Ernie the other day. Ernie? Uh, Rutherford, the physics chappy, dabbles with, the uh, radiation? No, no, Sir Clements, Uh, not Rutherford. Ha, <laughs> I was going to say, he, he needs to sort out his own radiation. Fellow pongs to high heaven in the summer months. <laughs> avoid him, sir, avoid him. <laughs> B- Maccaroon? No, 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 thank, no, you, sir thank you, sir Clements. <laughs> Suit yourselves. Uh, w- w- which Ernie do you mean, Shackleton? Ah, old uh, no ice in my drink, Shackleton. <laughs> uh, what what was his expedition called again? Uh, the the uh, the, nincompoop? Uh, the 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 Nimby Uh Nimrod, sir Clements. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Dashed silly name. I mean, if you're going to mount an expedition to the South Pole. don't, for goodness sakes, name it after the great-grandson of Noah. That's just asking for trouble. (laughs) He probably had everyone poncing around two by two. Well, the idea had merit, Sir Clements, and uh, he and his team made a valiant effort. Uh, They managed to cross the great ice barrier and discovered the Beardmore Glacier. Do I detect a note of envy there, Scott? <laughs> Still harbouring the urge to get to the pole, are we? <laughs> well, at, at least one of them. For goodness sake, uh, how many poles are there? Well, Sir Clements, there's a school of thought that there are around five in the north and around six in the south. Uh, there are geographic poles, magnetic poles, and geomagnetic poles. Poles are magnetic? <laughs> no wonder I'm so drawn to them, What? Very Very good, good, sir. sir. (laughs) Yes, yes, there are five or six uh, men in the bar at my club. They make the most extraordinary vodka beetroot cocktails. (laughs) Leaves one pickle, what? But in all seriousness, Sir Clements, I I would love the chance to mount another expedition to the South Pole and secure the honor of being the first to make it on behalf of the British Empire. Uh, A British first? Hmm. Uh, Never that popular, you know. Uh, No one likes a smart aleck. I'm Uh, sure there would be other objectives, uh, opportunities for further scientific and geographical study. Yawn, yawn. How much is this? Little jaunt of yours going to cost this time? Well, I imagine it would be in the, in the region of forty thousand pounds. That's a pretty big region. <laughs> you couldn't perhaps find the Lancashire Pole. Third class tickets are quite cheap, you know. Not really the same challenge as the South Pole and the Antarctic, Sir Clements. <laughs> perhaps not, but. Uh, can be just as cold and inhospitable, <laughs> a bit like the current Lady Markham. <laughs> uh, For what I recall, the Royal Society and the Royal Geographical Society backed your discovery trip, uh, sadly, in these days of austerity and cuts. Uh, uh, what austerity? What cuts? Uh, the Liberals haven't brought in any cuts. Uh, no, but uh, the aforementioned uh, Lady Markham has... Uh, Do you know she's rationed by brandy? But we'd we'd need a ship and supplies. Are you any good at darts, Scott? Not bad. Uh, What's that got to do with it? There's a combined darts and quiz night at my local pub. They sometimes have boats as the star prize. Pop along and try your luck, Scott. One of the chaps in the Admiralty bagged himself a fondue set. So... Did you get the ship? Uh, No, no, but um, I sold the crystal decanter at the local flea market. In the end, we managed to scrape together some funds from a combination of loans, public subscription and government grants. Uh, uh, We'd have run a lottery, uh, but we didn't have the balls. So, uh, this vessel is seaworthy. (laughs) Ha-ha-ha, that she be. Only 1,500 nautical miles on the clock, sir. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but we may have circumnavigated the Isle of Wight in reverse. <laughs> Just to uh, adjust things if you catch my uh, continental drift, Captain. <laughs> I see. And and how much is she? I couldn't cast her off for less than 14,000. Bit of an old tub, though. Um, surely you could do something for, um, for ten? For the Nova, sir. Is is that her name? Yes, surely around ten thousand? The Terror Nova. To give her a full name, only I'd change the spelling if it were me, sir. Terror Nova, if you get my meaning, sir. Ha ha ha! Just yanking your anchor chain, sir. No, she's a fine vessel, sir, and I couldn't give you the keys to the gangplank for less than 30, 11, 12, 12,500, and that's my last offer. Ah, not very good at this negotiating lark are we, sir? <laughs> well, now we had our ship. By far our biggest single cost but soon we had our expedition ready, sailing under the white ensign and ready for the South Pole expedition. We were inundated with interest to join the great endeavour, and we had to choose around 60-odd men from a pool of around 8,000. That was quite some six-chair challenge, I can tell you. So where did your voyage take you aboard the Nova? Oh, gosh, uh, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. You visited all those places with the expedition? No, that was with Thomas Cook. I, I thought I needed to top up my, uh, my tan and chillax a bit uh, before setting out for the Antarctic. Uh, but the rest of the expedition set out from Cardiff in June of 1910. Uh, we kept getting telegrams from that, uh, that Norwegian stinker Amundsen, boasting that he was proceeding south. Mm, Great big show-off. You must have been a bit worried, though, turning it into a bit of a race. In some ways, but uh, we had our men and and supplies. Stank to high heaven with all those dogs and Siberian ponies. And you had to be careful where you stood. Anyway, we, we eventually made it through the pack ice to Ross Island by about January 1911. We disembarked at what I renamed Cape Evans and set up camp. Fascinating to hear all this, but what about the ill-fated march? Jolly impatient, aren't you? Well, I'm getting there. Uh, There we were, spending the months and months of the expedition in exploration and scientific study. You put Titus Oates in charge of the ponies, is that right? Oh, yes. Rather amusing, I thought. Oates, do you see? Ponies. Well, anyway, it turned out... He was a bit obsessed with the notion of shooting the poor thing. And what sort of scientific studies did you engage in? Well, for the most part, we were required to secure Emperor Penguin eggs from the rookery near Cape Crozier. Apparently, uh, they had to be at an early embryonic stage so that they could study particular points in the development of the penguin. Tricky undertaking, though, in the depths of winter didn't quite go to plan. Oats! Wilson, Bowers, On oh, gee. My word, is is that breakfast you're preparing? I'm famished. Um, how are the ponies, Oats? Delicious! Uh, I mean, uh, fine, yes, yes, all fine. And there might be a couple down. Had to shoot them. They've gone doolally tap. Oh, for goodness sake, Oats! We talked about this. I have to account for all those ponies, you know. You're obsessed, man. I knew I should have hired a vegetarian. Uh, how is the penguin egg study, going, uh, Wilson? Uh, you could say we're cracking on well with it. <sighs> You're cooking them, aren't you? Right, back out looking for more tomorrow. And no more eating the fauna, chaps. Stick to the supplies from now on. This is all truly fascinating background colour, but most of the history books focus in on that final tragic march, your, your great push forwards to the South Pole. Did you know that Amundsen had got ahead of you? Rub it in, why don't you? Were you not in the queue when they handed out the sensitivity gene? Well, it, it was always a possibility that after sitting out back in 1910 and the the long old slog that brought us towards the pole nearly two years later, in January of 1912, at just 15 miles from our goal, Edward Wilson, Henry Bowers. Lawrence Oates, Edgar Evans, and myself, uh, our hearts sank when we spotted Amundsen's black flag. That crafty Norwegian had managed to forestall us. But how? Come on, lads. Keep in file, lads. Keep in file. Show me there, lads. We're a mere few yards away. Let's keep the pace going. We, we don't know, know where we are, we are going. All we know, we know, we all we know, we know is it, it keeps going. I say, Captain, isn't that a tent? It's his right, Captain. And do my eyes deceive me? Is that not a Norwegian flag? Upon my soul, lads, you're both right. Ah, no sadder sight, eh, lads? That Norwegian rogue, Amundsen, has beaten us to the pole. But how, sir? How did the Norwegians get so far ahead of us so quickly? They like their fish. But perhaps they used the Heading aid. That's a terrible pun, Bowers. But yes, they must have had some serious eva. Ah, yes. I I think I know their secret. Dogs. How can you tell, Scott? Oh, I I see. That must have been galling for you all, though. Oh, indeed it was. We'd reached the pole, but under very different circumstances from those expected, where we, we planted our own flag, uh, for, for what it was worth, and, and then set off homewards. Um, we had several excellent marches, but the old frostbite was taking hold, especially with poor old Oates. Uh, we knew he'd never danced a Macarena again, no strictly for him. Mm. Still kept on about the ponies, though. Dozens of recipes he had by the time we reached the summit of Beardmore Glacier. Yes, Master Chef wasn't on the cards either. Poor old Oates. Eventually, of course, we lost the poor chap at the barrier. There we all were, in the tent. <laughs> Light. Oh, sorry, yeah. chaps. I can't help it. It's these darned rations we've been eating. We're low on food, oats. Things are getting desperate, you know that. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. Speaking of desperate... I'm... I'm just going outside. I may be some time. Oh, this blizzard. Dear me. I can't see a thing. How dare you! Talking lion, I must be dreaming. This is no dream. I am Aslan, Lord of Narnia. It's one thing to enter our kingdom uninvited, quite another to attempt to take a dump on our throne. I'm most awfully sorry. What have you been eating? Dear me... If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this edition of Twistery Tales, please contact anyone but me. Join us again for some more reimagined history next time. You have been enduring another edition of Twistery Tales, the Richard Usher one-man comedy podcast. Music courtesy of bensound.com. Twistery Tales is a Larynx production. (laughs) Hey.